Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You! Are listening to Scoop B Radio. What's going on? I hope wherever you're listening from, you and your loved ones are safe during this COVID 19 period. Hey, this is the producer of Scoop B Radio, DJ Manio. I would just like to take the time out to give a big thanks for the listeners to the pod. We did record numbers last month. So, on behalf of Scoop B and myself, thank you for the four years of supporting Brandon on his media journey. If you have a few minutes to spare, please fill out a short listener survey. Go to scoopyradio.com slash poll. You can also share your opinions about the show so we know what works and what we can do better. That's scoopyradio.com slash poll. S-C-O-O-P, the letter B, R-A-D-I-O dot com slash P-O-L-L. Don't worry if you didn't catch any of that. The link will be in the description. You're listening to Scoopy Radio with Brandon Robinson. E.K. Manny. Manny. Yo. Scoopy Radio. You know what's official if Barry Bond said, yo. The best in the business. That's word of Scoop. You either tuning in or reading the word of Scoop. He give you the business. He show you the proof. If Scoop B say it, you know it's the truth. Sports and entertainment. He give you the mix. Some of the biggest interviews. He give you the fix. On iTunes, the number one podcast, the joint and the journalist, the GOAT, so why ask? Watch out, watch out. Know about it, if he naming them, scoopy.com, do numbers like Chamberlain. Pin game is a gift, got the gift to gab. If he say it is gospel, it's as simple as that. Now pay attention and you can see the way it go, enough of this talking. This is Scoopy Radio. You're listening to Scoopy Radio. Get on his Instagram now, At follow Scoopy. him. At Scoop Beast, follow him. Yes, sir. Scoopy Radio. In your airways, on the plane, everywhere you need to be. I am Brandon Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoop B. Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B. Make sure, most importantly, to subscribe to the Scoop B Radio podcast, which is available on all streaming platforms or simply by visiting ScoopBRadio.com. We're gearing into part two of my discussion during Sixers week with Theo Ratliff, former Philadelphia 76er, Laker, Spur, Detroit Piston, 
Portland Trailblazer. He's been a few places, but he counts Philly as really the foundation and home. And uh, that's where he was named an NBA All-Star. So enough talking out of me, uh, DJ Maniel. Cue the tape in five, four, three, two, one. It's Willie, y'all. Check it out. Lay some treats on us. I've wanted to know this. You, you talked about being traded, and you talked about how, you know, you went to the bottom of the barrel, and, and I felt for you because um, I knew how hard you had been working that year. I, I guess my follow-up yeah. question is that, did you watch the NBA Finals that year, and how do you think you would have been able to help the Sixers had you been healthy? Scoop B Radio. No, I, I came to the game. I came to the, I came to the game in, uh, in Philly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was those, those my guys, man. And, you know, we, like I said, we have been grinding together for a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, we, you know, we, we grew, we basically grew up together. Um, so, you know, those were my guys. I came and, you know, came on back to the locker room as far as everybody and everything, man. So, so it was like, it was bittersweet to see what happened. Um, you know, as far as with me. And I think that year, actually, shit, I think we beat the Lakers on mm-hmm. man away mm-hmm. that, that same year because, like I said, my, I had kind of figured out how to not just, you know, play against Shaq, but utilize my quickness and size uh, and athletic ability to be able to, you know, put him in positions that he didn't want to be in. Mm-hmm. You know, especially, you know, bringing him up in that pick and roll. <laughs> so he, he he didn't want to have to guard that, you know. And I think that that was uh that was big, big for us. But I knew once they had the kick that he, he like I said, he he's not as athletic. He's he's another anchor. Mm-hmm. He's gonna be sitting in that middle with another big, so the lanes are not gonna be as open as they were you know, with the nucleus that we had where I could step outside and I can move around outside a little bit more um, than he could to, to provide some open lanes for him and also on the, running the break and different things of that nature. Yeah, you played for a ton of teams. You played for the Pistons, the Sixers, the Hawks, the Blazers. You played for the Sixers twice, the Pistons twice. Right. You played for the Timberwolves, the Spurs, the Charlotte Bobcats, and the Lakers. What's your favorite NBA city that you've played in? Well, my favorite NBA city is, uh, it's gotta be, uh, well, Philly, of course, but, um, Philly is like, like no other when it comes to the hoops, mm-hmm. especially back then. <laughs> I mean, that was, you know, like you said, that, that changing of the guard, you still had the 90s. MJ and then all those guys, they bar- all these guys are still playing. So it was still the old guard that was, you know, that was still coming in, coming in and, 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 and still playing in games. And then, um, and then with us, like I said, being in Philly, then winning in Philly is, is like ne- nothing else like it because you know how Philly, Philly fans are. <laughs> they don't care. Aaron McKee at the point for the 76ers. Robert Pack guarding him. Patterson slices in. Takes the bottom edge, but it's hammered home by Theo Ratliff. He did. 
Ratliff with a nice move on the turnaround. That foul. You out there, and you you're not getting the job done. They let you know it, and, and and being a part of that, being a part of the booze and all that stuff. When we when we weren't doing well, and we was trying to figure out figure out how to play the game and, and where we stood as as men in this league. Um, you know, we got a lot of bluebirds and and you got a lot of encouragement at the same time. But once we really figured it out and and they start seeing us being consistent and getting the identity of a, a strong defensive team with and having a prolific score like a AI being able to finish games for us, um, then they understood the work because we had a lot of those blue collar workers on the team. And that's what they love. You know, they love the blue collar workers and and so they embraced us, you know, as their own. And 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 that's why, you know, I would say Philly the most because that's where I grew grew up as a as a basketball player and really understood I could definitely I could definitely play in this game and play play in this league at the highest level that I want that I want to play at. So you mentioned you you mentioned Scoopy Ray don't want to right You mentioned playing against Michael, and I think that's so significant. Significant, obviously, because of the Last Dance, uh, which recently aired on ESPN, the ten part series. You played against Michael during that second run, three uh, P. Oh, you played against Michael in the second three uh, P. Run that the Bulls had um, when you were. When he was a pimp, when you were a Yeah. Yes, sir. And then you played against him again when he was a wizard. Um, yeah. I remember him in both instances. I'm not that young. But I guess the difference between watching Bulls Michael and Wizards Michael, from my perspective, is Bulls Michael got to the air more, you know, was, but he was timed with it. He didn't waste up energy dunking all the time, but he had fadeaways, turnaround jumpers. When you look at him in Washington, it was it was the same thing. I felt like I was watching Penny sometimes. He shot so many fadeaways and had head fakes and stuff like that with the Wizards. From your perspective, yeah. play against him, um, what did you find as the big differences between Bulls Michael and Wizards Michael? Scoop B Radio. Well, I mean, obviously age. <laughs> age has a <laughs> factor in it. And, and, and then, I mean, get the, the – and you talk again about a guy gelling with the team and his teammates growing with him and and them being better and that's an all stars beside you, like Scotty Pippen and, and Dennis Rodman and those guys, and Tony Ku coach. You know, having having that nucleus together along with the great Phil Jackson as your coach. I mean, they, their whole their whole coaching staff, you know, were were aged guys that had been around a long time and had you know implemented that triangle system, which is which is just so so hard to try to pinpoint where somebody's going to be, and that's why I think Phil had such success that he's had, you know, even with the Shaq and Kobe and all those guys, he had the success because. When you're playing in that triangle, you have no idea where the star player is going to end up. <laughs> and that's unusual in most people's offense. You can usually dictate where the ball is going. 
uh, within 99% of the offenses in the, in the NBA. But with the triangle, they can be at any five positions on the floor. Everybody mm-hmm. can be at a different position. So that, that's what made it so unique and so successful. And people hadn't had tried to emulate it, but they hadn't really been able to uh, uh, duplicate it like Phil has been able to duplicate it because he, he was in the system with text winners and, and having all those battles and and having going through all them and growing pains to get to that level. And that's what made the difference. You actually played for the Lakers for one season. You signed a one-year deal. Um, during that time, wasn't Phil a head coach? Phil was the coach, yes. Because the way I, I, I figured that was the case because you were just reverently speaking about the triangle offense. Um, you played mm-hmm. under Larry Brown. You played for Greg Popovich. You'd be mm-hmm. the perfect person to ask this daggone question. Right. Who was the who was the most between the three the most difficult to play for and why? Who was the most difficult to play? Yeah, for? just because they were so good at what they did. So I guess who was the best out of the three that you played around? You're probably going to say Larry Brown because of your success in Philly. But if that's the case, if not, what made Popovich and Phil Jackson so uh, uh, cerebral to you? Um. Again, just the, I mean, you have to, when you have all-stars and you have such a dynamic team for so long and you've been winning for so long, the, the respect level um, goes to a whole other level with veteran guys. So when I went to play with Popovich, I mean, it was late in my career, same with being my last year with Phil. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's so much respect because you one you've seen them beat you <laughs> so many times, mm-hmm. and, and two, um, just watching even before you even came into the NBA at how they mastered their craft and how they continue to bring even the stars to a different level. Of understanding and and, and and spiritual mindset, you know, because those guys had a certain spirit about themselves and no nonsense. You know, they didn't care if you were the top guy or the bottom guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they didn't hold back no no punches. You know, especially you know Pop. He shit. He's been on. He's still hiding that uh, punch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even after he retired, he's still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you, and you saw that from day one because one incident happened. I think we had played like a preseason game with uh, first preseason game in San Antonio. And we came back in. I don't know who won the lot, but it, it didn't even matter. We came back in and we started to watch film, and Pop just went bananas on Tim and Tony. <laughs> what? I'm like, this dude is crazy. I mean, went bananas on them for like how they were playing or, or whatever they were doing. Just, you know, basically laying the hammer down. 
like just showing everybody, look, they, I'm I'm screaming and they got to do that what they supposed to do. There's nobody in here <laughs> that uh, that is safe. Yeah, so we got to make sure we doing our job. You know, and basically he didn't have to say it, but that's what you take it as. He's like, shit, he he still on these dudes. After they got top fifty players in the, in the NBA and the All Stars every year, you know, he still, you know, Tim Duncan, best one of the best to ever play the game. For he sure, did, him like he a rookie. So it's like, well, you ain't no nobody else have anything else to say. You know, and I feel like that's rare these days yeah. because no, very rare, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. rare. But but that's that's his, that's how he he established. You know, like I said, he's been he's been yelling at Tony since he said quit on San Antonio at at eighteen. So so he he hadn't stopped. But they all understood what it meant. And nobody said anything back. It was like, all right, Pop, all right, all right, go ahead, Pop, go ahead. <laughs> nobody had anything to say back, you know, like standing up for themselves type of way because they knew it's just Pop doing Pop. <laughs> so so, we, so they took it, act like it ain't nothing happened, and they moved on to practice, went on ahead with the film, and that's how they roll, you know, and that's why when you can when you can do that, that's why you can win like like they they did for so many years and have the success like they did for so many years because one he's he's a technician when it comes to the game and he's a disciple of uh, Larry Brown as well, so mm-hmm. he's very defensive minded coach and had schemes of of how to play and. He knew his team. He knew what what wins, what win winning plays were, and he knew what losing plays were. And he wanted to have a whole lot more winning plays than he had losing plays. And if you, when you look at the game, the game is very simple, but you have players that make it difficult. <laughs> so, so the game is very simple. You want to have more winning plays than you have losing plays. You want to have less turnovers. <laughs> The less, less the turnover, the more your chances are winning the game because you're not giving possessions over. If you can rebound the ball, rebound the ball. The more rebounds you get over the team, you're more likely to win the game. It, it hadn't changed, you know, the game hasn't changed, you know, at all. It's just more of a, like I said, everybody thinks they got the key. <laughs> but, no. but the game is very simple to play. And it's all about, like, <laughs> Bill, tell me something. What is dinner with Greg Popovich like? He, his restaurant picking, everybody talks about it. But is that really a thing? Is he right now? People discuss how Greg Popovich's dinner, like his restaurant selections, are like are like legendary. You play for the Spurs. What was what is dinner with Greg Popovich like? Did you have the opportunity as a team or by yourself to sit down with Greg and have dinner? At a restaurant. Well, as a team, we did it. We did it a, a few times, but you know, it's it's, it's top of the line. You know what I mean, he, he he he's a he's a he's a top of the top of the line guy with the wines. You know, he love love wine, so you know, top chef wine. Um, but just um, 
like I said, he he slowed down the earth mm-hmm. when he's just when it when it's off time. <laughs> he just he slowed so much down the earth and, and, and laid back and and had the conversations and and very very charity oriented. I mean, um, him with that uh, I, I forget the what is it, the naval the naval place there in San Antonio. That's like mm-hmm. you know his. The uh, was it the veterans naval maybe uh, place there that he supports you know with everything I mean costing you know we think we went over there maybe twice and it's something that they've been doing you know yearly you know with him that's a that's a big big part of I guess his, his military background is being able to give back to those soldiers and and hearing. Let us hear some of those those stories of those guys being over in Iraq and serving, and you know, just to give you perspective on what your life is and how blessed you are to be playing basketball, and but being an inspiration even to those guys, but those guys being an inspiration to us because you know what they're going in, you know, bullets and bombs and things of that nature was. Like a cakewalk to what we what we do as fun and for for uh, work and for being basketball players, but but he was very 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 attentive you know, when it came to what guys were about. And yeah. I think how uh, he picked his guys on who who would come to their team. Um, he was very 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 uh, into where guys' mindset were. You know, when he bring them, that's why he took in a lot of veteran guys on the team every year. You would see he would always bring the vet. So a couple of the, the vets that have been, you know, established for some years back in the day when just, you know, trying to get to that last point to where they can contribute to a team to help them get to that next championship. Um, so he's and Phil was conscious of that as well. Um, they all kind of took that mindset. No, that's real. Scooby Ray on the line with Phil Atlas talking everything basketball, life, and more. We've been finally able to sit down and talk about everything over the past year. Um, and, and I'm I'm curious. You chose Wyoming to go to college, even though you were from Alabama. What led you to Wyoming, <laughs> and why not well, Alabama? Funny, funny story, man. I'll tell you, I'm from a little small town in Moppers, right? Mm-hmm. I never went to any basketball camp. I, the only camp I went to, was, the only camp I, I got a chance to go to was my uh, junior year. I went to the University of Alabama basketball camp. So I'm in there, you know, doing my thing, you know, doing what I need to do. And one of the, because my, my coach, the, the coach at, at Wyoming at the time was Benny Dees. He was a former assistant at University of Alabama. So he had a lot of his assistant coaches came from the South. So they would go and work at the camp. So, hmm. of course, they saw me there, and that's when the recruitment started. And, and so they were one of the teams that were – they were one of the, the – Schools that were really recruiting me hard because I was a six, seven, six, 
six seven uh six six maybe six six or something like that at the time during my junior year a hundred and about fifty pounds <laughs> you know run the court center you know what i mean <laughs> so so it wasn't a whole lot of the big a c c s e c schools that were really kind of looking at me as that piece and I remember one big guy that was that was uh that we would play in our division seven foot guy uh, that they really were were trying to get but he was a big guy but he wasn't really all that coordinated uh, but he was seven feet and we would play against him I dominate him every time because he just couldn't keep up with me <laughs> so so they started trying to Alabama started recruiting him and they were talking to me, but they really were trying to get him. And I'm like, why the hell would y'all be trying to get him over me? I'm killing this dude every time I play against him. But, you know, it's, it's whatever. I'm 150 pounds. I'm six, 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 whatever it is. So I understood. But Wyoming was really trying to get me. They had a guy by the name of uh, Fitzpatrick, who's actually in uh, Alabama now as an, uh, a principal at um, Tuscaloosa County, but he was from Alabama, and he had brought two Mr. Back basketballs out to Wyoming, uh, Quinn Higgins out of Mobile, mm-hmm. his nephew, and then uh, Hassan Sanders out of Central. So with that said, it was already a familiarity out there of guys that grew up in the South. So, so, so when I went out to visit, um, I fell in love with it. Uh, felt it would be a great fit. Saw where they had. Um, it was going to be, it was going to be a late senior class. So those guys were going to get out the way and then I would get opportunities because I was expected to go out in red shirt, uh, when I got out there. Um, but before that, you know, I was highly recruited by Wyoming and Western Texas. Those were my two schools. I was like, I can go to Western Kentucky. Um, but Wyoming just, they, they poured it on. They really showed that they liked me. And I wanted to sign during my junior year. So I didn't wait till my senior year to sign, which I probably would have ended up probably at a different school, at a probably much bigger school somewhere. Because I grew another two inches. Got some little, you know what I mean? Like I said, I was growing as a basketball player. So, so. I wanted to sign my junior year so to take that off my mother's plate to talk about, you know, and, and really didn't have a whole lot of guidance when it came to someone I could go to that I already been through that situation because there wasn't anybody. <laughs> so there yeah. wasn't anybody that been recruited from around my way for, for basketball at that particular level. So, so I was the first, you know, to go through that situation. So, so, I was like, yeah, I just want to get it done. I just want to sign. Um, they recruit me the hardest. You know, the other team's trying to get me to wait. I'm like, I'm not waiting. So they can go ahead and keep keep trying to recruit whoever they recruit. But I'm signing now. So so I ended up signing early, signing very my junior year. And got locked yeah. in. That's, that's how I got locked in with Wyoming. 
I know your mother must have written her name, your name down. I put it in her Bible and said, Lord, if it be your you will, let this man now. get started oh, somewhere. Oh, man, you always know the answer. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a constant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. You, a few more questions. You played in Detroit with Grant Hill. And yeah. uh, when I look at Grant Hill, we talked about it a little earlier. I feel like he was LeBron before LeBron, and I told him that. He filling up a stat sheet, 6'8 point guard. Do you right. see similarities between Grant Hill and LeBron James? I saw, well, of course, we had, we had Doug Collins. Um, of course, Grant didn't have the same size, but, yeah, he definitely penetrated the paint and finished at the rim a lot. <laughs> so, so I definitely saw the similarities. But I think he was more so around the the Pippen. Mm. When Pippen played without Jordan, because that's what you know, man. We had Doug Collins who had brought you know Scott and them guys in uh, with with uh, Chicago, so he wanted him to play like a Pippen. So he was a point four. That's mm. what he, he brought the ball up. He facilitated the offense. We had Lindsey Hunter, who was a prolific scorer in Jackson State, but he became a, mainly a defender when he got to Detroit. Um, young guy. And you had Allen Houston on the wing. You got Joe Dubois on the wing. You know what I mean? So Grant was mainly the ball handler. So he could facilitate. He could see over the uh, see over the defense with his size and. He was the point of attack for the team. So he most of the time he was so fast getting the ball up and down the court, you know, like a LeBron. That and he was so strong and so athletic and a great finisher around the rim, which is why I truly believe he made the Hall of Fame. <laughs> so, so yeah. because, because he had that style early on in his career that he pretty much had mastered. Your last year in the league, you played for the Lakers. You played uh, with the late Kobe Bryant. Yes, sir. What was that experience like? Well, one, um, I mean, I had known Kobe from before he came into the league when I was in, when I was in Philly, he was working out in Philly. Mm-hmm. And just going back to, to that and him sitting with me and the Outside of Temple, when he was in high school, um, he was like, "Yo, you going to college, man?" He's like, "Man, I'm, man, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave." You know, and him saying that to us, he's like, "Yeah, man, shoot, you probably will." So, so just from that start to playing against him all those years, you know, in the league and the battles and stuff that we had in respect. He had for me and what I did, and being able to come to the Lakers my last year and and be there, you know, with him and that team who had just won the championship and was trying to repeat, um, was a was an awesome thing because he was heading, he was still Kobe, great player, you know, but they had started trying to tone him down a little bit. Um, so he wasn't practicing as much. He wasn't 
uh, engage as far with the team and, and us working out and stuff as much as it was in the past because they were really looking at trying to save his legs and stuff for the run that we would have uh, for the season. But, I mean, like I said, you talk about a, a smart, smart guy, um, family guy. I mean, I had the honor of being able to sit next to him, you know, on the plane, plane rides and stuff, you know, when when I was there. Um, just to, you know, when you, when you think about not just basketball, but just his his, his mindset between how he, he developed himself from all his shoes, being a part of being able to be a creator, you know, for all the shoes that he that he's worn, um, and just all the different dynamics that he had just off the floor, um, and things that he was doing and just masterminding to get to this point of um, just excellence mm-hmm. you know, in in all areas and facets, you know, of his life and. You know, just that, that tragedy of, of, you know, having that to happen to him and his family and, and friends. Because it's not just his family that suffered, but, I mean, just the, everybody that know him, everybody that know those those kids and, and parents that were on that, that helicopter, their life has never be the same again. You know what I mean? When you, if you have that, that type of closeness within that niche, their life would never be the same again. Um, it was, you know, such a, such a tragedy, you know, to, to have that to happen to that brother because he was, uh, we, we all saw the headlines. He was, he was, he was becoming a titan in, in the, in the business world as well, as well as a titan in the amateur basketball and really, really, really putting a main focus in you know, with the young ladies in the game and excelling what it is that they had coming up the pipe. So, um, like I said, just a, a dynamic brother um, that I, I'm honored to be able to, to know and be a part of that whole legacy of what he did, what he what he's done, and what he's left, you know, for us uh, in his life. On a lighter note, uh, Scoopy Red on the line with Theo Atlas. Preparing for this interview, I, I went to Eastern University, which is on the main line down the street from Villanova. So I know that area, just the greater Philadelphia very well. One of my classmates, I text him, I say, yo, I'm interviewing Theo Atlas. What do you want to know? He said to me, my boy Tony goes, I want to know about Club Friday. Did he, did Theo ever go to Club Fridays with Alan Iverson? I'm, I'm relaying the message. Did you go to Club Fridays with Ellen? <laughs> oh, Club Fridays. Hey, man, as you know, Ray is a wild boy. He was a wild boy then. <laughs> so I was born on the common side. I wasn't really part of the Club Fridays. I, okay. I, I think I, I did go over there once just as just to see and hang out for a bit and they really turned it into a club. It was a DJ. <laughs> it was a DJ. It was a line. It was, yo, it, it was bananas up in there, man. I was like, man, this man has really turned this thing into a, he just turned fighting into a club. 
Only AI, man. Only AI could do that. And it's crazy for yeah. those who are listening. Ballard yeah. Kenwood, City Line Avenue, uh, mm-hmm. was the spot. They ended up kicking him out, and then he, from what I understand, went to Hoolahan down the <laughs> down the street. He went over to Hoolahan. So yeah, I definitely wasn't a part of that. I probably was gone by then. Yeah, yeah, man. I had to ask that question I, because um, I visited. I, this was him going. I wasn't old enough to get into the club or or the drink, but you know, yeah. when I was twenty one, I said, "Oh, this is Club Friday. This is this is where we where it goes down." So where it all happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the good news, sir. You are all the hot seat. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. <laughs> yes, sir. I appreciate your time, and and um, I wish you and your family well. I saw your daughters; they recently went viral on TikTok with their with their video. Oh man, that, that's crazy! I mean, the thing is, you know, in in this time right now, where where we've had we bought family and everybody back together. And, you know, they're all college. One, one, one's graduating this year from college. The other one's uh, junior, junior, uh, playing, playing volleyball. Then, then I have the, the senior, the other one. She's, she's about to go to school in San Diego for volleyball. <laughs> so it's crazy that you know that they wouldn't be here. They would be in school. They would be somewhere in their city living their lives. But you know, this thing has put us all in a position where you know. What you do when when things happen, you, you come back home, <laughs> and that's where where it happens. So, uh, in that aspect, things have been great and, and awesome having them back all at the same time because we hadn't really had that in a long time for a long period of time where they were here. Um, it was in and out, you know. They over there hanging out with their buddies, they hanging out. You know what I mean? So having them here and actually having they, having that time to spend with them and and really understand what they're doing and where they're going and and how they want to move um, is has been real special uh, for for us as a family too. So so it's yet yeah, the, the COVID thing is a you know a terrible thing and you know we want to you know give our condolences to all the people that's that's dealing with their deaths and you know which would never be the same again you know as far as you know, the the way people are moving around. Um and wanna, you know, say prayers to, you know, everybody for everybody that's going through it. Um we just um like I said, that's a, a different different time that gives you time to reflect and really breathe a little bit, you know, when when you don't have so many distractions going on in your life. Yeah. Well, Mr. Girl Dad, thank you yeah. for <laughs> Yeah, I got my volleyball dance shirt on right now. There you go. There you, you go. go. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was good, man. It's a blessing. All blessings, man. For you sure. too, my man. You too, my man. Keep doing your thing. And I definitely will proudly see you down the line again soon. Now we got this interview. Yeah, we'll do, man. Do an excellent job, brother. I always keep up with you, see what you're doing, see what you're talking about. So you you always on point. Everybody I see you, you interviewing, so I don't expect anything different from, from this one. No, man. We're going to do it right. <laughs> yes, sir. 
And this is Scoopy Radio saying, you bring the coffee and I'll bring the Dunkin'. Kaboom! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.